Our heart sponsor for today is the 501c3 nonprofit National Treasures Artists in Residence. We are supporting them by offering an audience-requested masterclass on business plan writing. Over 30 days, you will receive daily emails with micro-tasks broken down over the month that will give you a complete plan. This will help you assemble your ideas, communicate your concept to others, and raise capital. Participants will be eligible for prizes that will help you polish your plan to optimize success. Visit AchievePodcast.com forward slash business plans with an S to register. Our mind sponsor for today is Modern Career. The Modern Career podcast, coaching, and workshops enable you to navigate your career in an ever-changing world and help you live your full potential. Mary Humiston, a former Chief Human Resource Officer of Rolls-Royce, shares insider tips, including insights from leaders and executives from all over the world. Leverage their expertise. They can help you build resilience, overcome obstacles, and feel more fulfilled every day. Visit modern-career.com right now to schedule a session with one of their experienced coaches, and if you use code ACHIEVE20, you'll get 20% off. On this episode, we have Marina Kolarek. Marina was born in present-day Serbia during a time when it was still Yugoslavia. She experienced the breakout of war in the early 1990s, impacting her time as an adolescent. She eventually studied psychology in Serbia and specialized in conflict resolution in war-torn regions. She joined a non-governmental organization while studying. On a trip to Hawaii, she decided to study for her master's in communication at the University of Hawaii at Manoa, focusing again on conflict resolution. After a short stint in D.C., she settled in Southern California and worked in both wellness and in brand management for leaders in the fitness and health space. She made a dramatic shift in her life focus, born of personal experience, to become a counselor and mindfulness coach focusing on rehab. She has spent time in Thailand and has now settled in Bali. Marina, thank you so much for being on our show. Thank you so much for having me, Asim. That's my pleasure. Um, uh, having uh, reconnected with you recently, the um, what I've learned about um, uh, your goings-on lately have been uh, really thrilling, and um, I'm excited to be able to to share that with with our audience. So um, appreciate your taking the time. Um, what I like to do in our conversations is go back to the very beginning. And um, if I memory serves, I think we had a conversation about this briefly, but uh, were you born and raised in Serbia? At the time, it was still Yugoslavia. Yeah, but, um, that's right. Yeah, 1979, when I was born, Yugoslavia was still the whole country. Yeah. Um, went through many, many shrinkings. There's a joke <laughs> that says that uh, Yugoslavia is like a Nokia phone, you know, every year new model, smaller and smaller. <laughs> So that's great. I hadn't heard that know. one. Yeah. yeah. So well, now, which, now it's Serbia. Yeah. Yeah. And were you from Belgrade? No, I am from Novi Sad originally, which okay. is a um, smaller town um, north of Belgrade, not okay. that far from a Hungarian border. Uh, I see. Okay. Well, um, I'm a big soccer fan. Um, my, but my knowledge of uh, Serbian soccer is limited to Red Star Belgrade or Partizan. And so I, I always ask anyone I know from Serbia, which of the two they follow. Do you have a preference? I did not care. I went with the one that <laughs> the, the boy that I'm dating at the time is actually cheering for. <laughs> <laughs> well, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that's that, what I did. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm, I was a good girl. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, yeah. Uh, Marina, do you have siblings? I don't. I'm I'm the I'm I'm the only child. Yes. Okay. Well, what was it like growing up? Uh, I mean, you were uh, basically you were a teenager uh, when the Yugoslavia began to crumble and, and break apart. But so your early early years, what was it like growing up in that setting? Well, uh, in 1991, when everything started, I was 12. Right. And um, what I can remember is, um, you know, the thing that some people don't know is that um, the president of Yugoslavia at the time, Slobodan Milosevic, was originally Serbian. And right. uh, not to go into the history of war, because not even people who study it can understand it. But basically, his whole idea was 
to create the, the greatest Serbia, right? And to take okay. the Serbs that live in all these other republics and create one country that would be kind of uh, um, mostly great Serbia, what his idea sure. was, right? Yeah, and yeah. so the war actually happened not ever on Serbian territory. Right. Um, uh, uh, you know, Slovenia split very early, Macedonia also, and then really the war was going on in Croatia and mostly in Bosnia and Herzegovina. Right. So I was in Serbia, right? And how we felt uh, um, and how we were affected by war was uh, obviously a, a lot of sanctions from all possible countries. Sure. So we didn't have anything sure. like everybody closed the, you know, yeah. uh, uh, import into, into Nobody Serbia. was conducting trade. Yeah. No, nothing. It was a horrible inflation. If you would get your salary in the morning, mm. you would have to buy stuff right away. Otherwise it, was, it would be worthless by the end of oh the my day. Goodness. Wow. Yeah. People who were smoking at the time. And I remember I was probably, I, I probably started smoking at 11 or 12 uh, <laughs> in Serbia. I kind of like everything starts pretty early. We would buy cigarettes by piece, literally like one, one cigarette you would, you would be able to buy. You can't afford a whole pack. Mm. Um, people would be stealing uh, gasoline from the cars with those big, big uh, like uh, pipes, you know, and the yeah, Coca-Cola sure. plastic bottles. Um, and we had a huge flow of immigrants, obviously, from the neighboring uh, republics, right? And, right. Uh, and it, was, it was pretty hor horrible. My, my, my family was uh, kind of a middle class always, and we had just enough, you know? So I didn't really feel the huge pressure of poverty myself. We even had a family daughter of a family friend from Bosnia living with us for a while. Oh, wow. We were okay. helping her. Yeah, a lot of right. families did that, actually. Yeah, no, I understand that. A lot, that you know, because we yeah. had, um, you know, my family is, is um, my family is, you know, pro-Yugoslavia. My family is not really any, okay. anyone who uh, went with the nationalistic tendencies. So we had right. friends, Muslims, friends, Catholics. We had apartment in Split in Croatia, where I would spend my summers before. Oh, okay. So I was, you know, we, we got used to that. And Yugoslavia yeah, yeah. was beautiful because of all of those differences. Yes, right. Um, so maybe right along the Adriatic Sea, your place in Croatia? Yes, yes. Split. Yeah. It's actually on the on the coast. Yeah, yeah. yeah and um, so it was, and it was difficult. I, probably for me at the time, the most difficult part was that, uh, that the military police would show up at your door and literally pick up all the men that are 18 and older. And, oh, wow. uh, and just take them. There was no, obviously you had an opportunity to volunteer if you like, but if you don't volunteer, they would come and get you. So mm. funny story, me and my mom used to hide my dad in the attic. Oh, and then when they would knock, I would just be like, daddy left us, you know, he yeah, just yeah, went yeah. somewhere. And uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty horrific. Obviously, wow. it was more horrific for people in um, Croatia and Bosnia because they sure. actually went through a... They saw the war in well, yeah. Kosovo, yeah, even, Sarajevo, even more, yeah. Yeah, even more horrific struggles. But uh, that was the influence of, the, yeah. of, uh, of everything that came. And I, and I very early developed um, the sense of really... It started with like completely not belonging with the country that I'm from and grew mm. up, grew into the shame and the disgust and the just oh, embarrassment wow. on the overall level wow well that's harsh yeah. to go through yeah that's yeah. uh well and did that play into your desire to study psychology in university you know it's funny i don't i remember the the first one of the first classes in psychology when they asked us why do you study psychology and we were all like well, we're here to help people, you know. I don't really think that that was what I was thinking at the time. I think it was more understanding myself, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. which was always kind of en enigmatic for me. Me, myself, sure. I was always a kind of a big wish question mark for myself. So um, I, had, I had many different options and my family, my parents did some testing to see what I would be good at, but hmm. I was good with anything with people. So it could be pedagogy it could be psychology it could be even law but I really didn't um, I I really was like it's going to be psychology or, or nothing else well actually to say to be honest I wanted to study um, acting my mom would never support oh. it and at <laughs> okay. the time I was listening to my mom very much sure, and um, yeah. I did not go with that but uh, okay 
psychology. Yeah. Okay. Did you do some acting? Uh, either through very, school very or little. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Very very little, but um, soon um, soon I stopped. It didn't actually. It just it didn't stick. I guess. After. Yeah. 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 Well, in, in reading about your background, um, you completed your degree in Serbia, and then um, I noticed that uh, you have a master's from Hawaii. So uh, bridge that gap for us. What were the steps to go from <laughs> Serbia to Hawaii? Well, I was studying psychology in Serbia, but along what I've done with the psychology, I have a bachelor's in psychology, but at the time, right after the war, well, right after the war and, and right after the bombing. The bombing was 99, mm. right? The bombing, yes, I was already right. 19 years old. Uh, and then in 2000, we had the, uh, the crash of that government, right? When right. actually the Slobodan Milosevic was taken to Hague and like all, right. all the stuff yeah. was going on, right? So at, at the time, around uh, end of 90s, a lot of non-government organizations and schools in conflict resolution, in a um, developmental mm. leadership work, youth work, they started coming to the republics of former Yugoslavia to train people who would be actually trainers and workshop mm. leaders to work, do work with youth from the conflict, conflict affected areas around issues of, you know, intolerance, racism, mm. uh, right. you know, yes. uh, war, hatred, uh, LGBT yeah. issues, all, all the stuff that actually comes from a very close-minded you know yeah. settings particularly war affected areas right? right so i studied that program and i finished actually wow. i was uh, trained to be a, a um, youth work uh, develop leadership and developmental youth work it was a uh, nice. northern ireland teachers that are actually okay. from the conflict affected areas yeah. along yeah. with the swedish university so I studied that um, along with psychology. And while I was in Serbia, I worked at the NGO, at the non-government yeah. organization that actually was a media NGO with the focus on, a, you know, freedom of speech and bringing, you know, democracy to, to, to Serbia yeah. and, and all yeah. of these, you know, all the good stuff. And I was <laughs> really, 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 really excited at the time. Um, and I tried to push that, honestly, as long as I could. But, um, uh, and I visited Hawaii in 2003. Um, again, met the boy online and actually went to Hawaii to meet him in person. So wow, okay. That's what I did in 2003. Whoa. I'm guessing he was not Serbian. He actually was. That was the weirdest oh, thing. Ever. Okay. That, that was so just a really weird thing. Red, Red Star Belgrade or Partizan? Partizan. Partizan. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and that was probably the last one. That okay. was probably the last right. one because I didn't really date Serbians after. after, after, after oh. I don't think that I actually, I, I just didn't. Yeah. He, and, he spoiled uh, it for all other Serbian men. He, right. <laughs> well, and, and not himself, him, but those before him, probably. <laughs> okay. Oh, uh, well, this is it, a. A beautiful romantic love story. You went all it, the way. It actually was a beautiful romantic love story. I, I spoke to him on the phone and online for about five months. Um, he, because of certain legal issues, could not leave Hawaii, could not come to Serbia. And okay. I came to my parents and I said, I'm going. Either you help me financially or I find money. But that was me my whole life. I, I, I make a decision and then I inform people. And then mm. many of them don't like it. And uh, mm. that's just how it was. And um, right, right. and my parents said, okay, we know she's going to go anyway. So, <laughs> okay, let's just be on her side, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I spent about three months in Hawaii and, um, and completely fell in love. And I remember going to University of Hawaii to do a couple of tests, the English test, the, the TOEFL. And I also did the oh, yeah. GRE, which you have to pass sure. in America in order to be a graduate student. To go to grad school, yeah. Right, because I thought I'm going to go back to Serbia, finish school, come back to be with this man and go to school. Well, I did not <laughs> go back to the man. I never was with the man again with that one. Oh, uh, okay. But um, I, I graduated my, my psychology degree. I graduated the other program that I was telling you, the conflict resolution. Yeah, the Swedish and, University. Yeah, and, and I said, uh, 
and I was working in Serbia, still kind of excited about bringing some changes to my country and helping out. And I just couldn't. 2006, I remember, mm. I, I literally woke up one day. It was April, I think, or May. I broke up with a guy that I was with. I moved out of the apartment where I was living. I sent paperwork to University of Hawaii and, and I had to leave. And I left. Wow. I left literally two months after that. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. I mean, um, it sounds like a, a buildup of a lot of different events and experiences as opposed to any one thing. Yeah, story but... of my life. <laughs> it's never <laughs> one thing. <laughs> There's always layers and layers, you know. I see it's uh, like yeah. it's one brings the other, you know, and uh sure. and I, I was offered by my parents to go to United States and finish high school. But at, at the time, I, um, I, I was not ready to leave. Okay. I knew I will at some point, but I just wasn't ready to not leave. Not that then. time, yeah. It was, wow. not that, okay. it was not my moment, you know. Okay, yeah. So I now went are, to Hawaii, yeah. Yeah. Well, I was just going to ask, are your parents still with you? My parents are alive, and they okay. live in Serbia. And wow. um, yeah. They're doing okay. well, actually. Yeah. All right. They're good, good. good. But please continue the story about Hawaii. Yeah. So I wanted to follow to study more conflict resolution, but yeah. they had they had it only as a graduate certificate. So I chose I chose conflict resolution as a graduate certificate, but my main course was masters in communication. I had to have something. Ah, uh, yeah. Is the core, and you understand the system. You know the system. Sure. In the exactly. Yeah. So that was it. And that was two years of um, two years of studying in Hawaii, two programs, and a very, very turbulent life in terms of very exciting and positive and beautiful and very dark, dark, dark and, and difficult. Wow. Uh, okay. Well, I'm just going to make a leap here, given your focus on uh, rehab therapy mm -hmm. and addiction mm -hmm. support. Was it uh, perhaps something related to that in your personal experience? Yes, yes. I um, um, in, interestingly, so I'm coming from Serbia, so it's kind of a there's lack of understanding really, and there is a huge stigma still in Serbia as to who's an addict, who's an alcoholic, who's mm. a junkie, you know, who, yeah. uh, what is that thing, right? And you yeah. always have a couple of uh, couple of profiles that actually fall into those categories in Serbia and nobody else actually has a problem, right? Which is completely not the truth. So exactly. being that it's, a, that it's a country where people start, start drinking very early, where, well, when I was growing up, there were no laws, absolutely no laws. Yeah, there's no age, right? Absolutely. I was, I could be in a club drinking at the age of 14 and yeah. I was, yeah. so th there was nothing, right. It was, um, it, it was, it was pretty, uh, now that I look at it, it was really wild, but it was within the system and the culture and the norm. And it was considered normal. And most of my friends lived like that, yeah. you know, smoking yeah, very early, drinking right. very early, drugs came right. in for some of us, for some of us not. Um, all of that came to me, all of yeah. it, like absolutely yeah. all of it. And um, wow. because I was able to function and to actually manage in my life everything, to finish school, to, you know, I, I could be smart, I could be uh, successful in a sense of finishing things and, and, and committing to things. Nobody ever thought I would have a problem, nor I ever yeah. thought I had a problem. Right. You know? right. And it's, uh, it, was just, it was just like that. But in wow. Hawaii... It, Hawaii got particularly dark, although I didn't really get clean after Hawaii. I mean, I was uh, working two jobs and um, one was a legal, legal job as a student mm. at university. Okay. And one was illegal under the table. And it was actually um, a hostess Japanese bar. Uh, I was the only white woman okay. that was a hostess there. Yeah. And I, my job was to basically drink with customers. And um, uh, all the girls would drink, most of the girls would drink a oolong tea that looks like a little bit of a colored, you know, wine sake, or a yeah. little bit of sake or something, you know, right, but right. I actually was opening bottles with, with clients, you know, nice. yeah. and uh, through the two years of studying, I pulled off to actually work there almost every night 
and, and and i was it was really heavy it yeah. was really really heavy obviously to survive all of that um um cocaine came in just for something that's like you know like a survival almost uh, yeah almost yeah i mean right? that pace is really hard oh, to yeah. maintain yeah so you needed to have that okay yeah and and wow. and that's what it looked like so it was it was it was generally beautiful i i had a lovely friendships that, that i really i have to say i am so grateful that one thing that as a as an addict i never actually really wasn't able to kind of stain is my friendships and i had beautiful friendships in hawaii uh, americans foreigners serbian groups you know many many different people local people yeah but um it was it was beautiful and you know the islands and uh, and 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 just being there just living that kind of life very kind of simple but at the same time really busy and uh, i finished both of those programs in two years and i finished them with 3.9 out of four and <laughs> i mean I don't, i don't know you know professors loved me i loved them i loved it all <laughs> but then there is a flip side you know it's almost like a split personality this other completely risk-taking, you know, walking on the, on the, on the edge person that um, where I was pulled into dangerous situation, you know, dangerous and unhealthy relationships, you know, and um, just a, just a, just a ton of really, really dark and, uh, and painful stuff that even at the time I didn't consider a problem. Wow. Not well, I mean, yeah, at the time, few of it's us like, do, right? Oh. We're just, uh, yeah, things are just rolling forward. And we always have this impression that we can handle it. And you were you all the data you were receiving was that you could handle it, you had a 3.9 yeah. GPA. So it didn't seem like it was a problem. Um, uh, did you stay in Hawaii after you finished your degree? Or when did no. you come to Los Angeles? Well, oh yeah, there are two cities before Los Angeles. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, because you met me in LA. You don't know the. I met story. you in LA, yeah. So somehow uh, that's how I, I feel your story begins. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, oh, oh, yeah. No, um, I at the time I still thought that I want to continue with all this kind of a fancy thing of conflict resolution, potentially diplomacy, and you know all the work, and I moved to Washington D.C. I see. Okay. Well, From Hawaii, like a yeah, that's very stark. Completely difference. opposite. Yeah. But if you were in 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 United States in two thousand and eight, you know that the crisis happened there then. Yes. Exactly. So I moved wow. to DC. I got an internship at this amazing spot. It's called Institute for Multi-Track Diplomacy. Director of the NGO is a. Uh, uh, John McDonald, he's ambassador to of United States to many countries in, in Middle East, most of them in Europe. Mm. And he was amazing. He had a bunch of us from all around the world working on projects. It was unpaid internship, six months um, that I was doing. And then again, right, because I was not, I mean, now, now I don't really care. This is a podcast. I, I, you know, I had that one year after school uh legally to stay in the country and work and that's what i did but i but i had illegal jobs in uh, under the table because i could right. not survive right so i yeah, was uh, otherwise, yeah. you know whatever serving drinks you know and working at clubs and bars and and, and whatnot right and so gotcha. uh so that internship finished and i also studied with this amazing man i studied actually mediation that was the wow. last of my conflict related stuff i studied mediation and i finished the uh, training in mediation that I a couple of times got the opportunity to use, but mediation is very powerful to me. I actually really enjoy it very much. Mm. And uh, that's one of the passions for sure. Um, wow. Well, I, I mean, it's related that. to conflict resolution, right? It just, uh... this, yeah, <laughs> alternative dispute resolution, right. Yeah. And that's where I met my former husband. Okay. Yes, I met I didn't realize husband. you were married, actually. Yeah. I was I was married. He is Filipino American. Okay. His family is from Virginia area, and we met in D.C. He's a musician, currently married with two kids, uh, mm. and we're very close friends. Um, Good. So we got married. We got married. Yeah, we got married in two thousand and nine, and then soon after, we we didn't want to stay in, in Washington D.C. The East Coast just never really. I, I enjoy New York City very much, but never 
I never wanted to, you know, time is money was never actually my, my motto. Your mantra. And, and my yeah. Of living. Yeah. So <laughs> I, we moved to California, but first to San Diego and um, okay. we were, yeah, we were in San Diego briefly, well, briefly, I was in San Diego over a year, year and a half, probably. And um, to be honest with you, it was a, it was struggle. I, 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 I couldn't find myself really. I, I still mm. didn't know what I'm doing, right? Because all the stuff that I finished was, was not yet uh, opening towards what I'm doing right now. And yeah. I only knew that what I'm doing is not what I want to do. I was yeah. working for, okay. for an online that. university and I hated my job. I was, I, I would literally cry in the bathroom a couple of times oh, a week, how much I, I just hated it. That's I hard. hated it. At the time I had to keep it because uh, my husband couldn't find gigs. Right. And it felt like, okay, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna get this one. And then later on, he'll do it when I don't want to do sure. you know, yeah. crappy yeah. things. Um, but I really was desperate, just completely miserable, like, like, wasting my life and my potentials and and didn't yeah. feel that I'm doing anything purposeful and and I even felt that I'm doing unethical things and it did not mm. match at all what I wanted to do yeah and I yeah. got laid off got okay. super happy just super happy being laid off <laughs> <laughs> that was oh, a freedom man. You didn't have to worry about it. Yeah, it wasn't your oh, fault or responsibility God. at that point. <laughs> I mean, it was perfect. During that job, what saved me also is that that was 2011. Um, I, uh, I finished a, a course for a yoga, yoga teacher training because oh, I was doing okay. yoga since I was even 18 years old. But because it's from, oh. it started from Serbia and in Serbia at the time, you did not really have yoga philosophy. You had asana. Mm just a very like hatha yoga just physical practice of yoga okay. i still okay. loved it and um i finished that training to kind of more deepen my, my own knowledge rather than to work in the as a yoga teacher and right after i finished that beginning of 2012 i got uh, laid off and i remember oh i was enjoying so much we had a dog i was with my dog at the beach and <laughs> doing yoga meditating and doing nothing and my husband mm -hmm. And my employment, uh, unemployment actually picked up uh, a couple oh, of things. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then we come to moving to LA. 2012 okay. was when I actually got a job in LA uh, to be, to work for a big yoga teacher training school. Yeah, yoga like fit. Yoga fit, exactly. Right, but not yeah. as a teacher but rather as a, like a business development person. Right, 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 right. That's, that's what I did. Yeah, well, and, and that's, that's why our, that's how we why met. Our paths I crossed, yeah. I can't remember exactly a year, but we met, we met through me working. Yeah, with that's right. It might've been 2012, 2013, around that time. Yeah. Because yeah. I was promoting the, my yoga mat company mm -hmm. and, um, Oh, and then um, there was another relationship you had with, um, I mean, Yoga Fit had a relationship with uh, a trainer from Africa who was using these large tires um, for training. Yes. Um, yes, wait. Mm. Yes. <laughs> yoga Fit related to them or was it uh, KPM? Wow, good question. Yeah, yeah uh, it might have been question. KPM. Yeah, it might be KPM because Yoga Fit probably not, which okay. would put us to 2013. Because when I started working for Yoga Fit, first I was actually working, uh, organizing trainings that are that are happening all over right. the country, and right. then um, um, Beth um, Beth Shaw, the the CEO of a Yoga Fit, actually promoted me, and I and I started going to trade shows and meeting more people and bringing mm. in more business which is probably when I met you at some point there. Yeah. Um, and then the KPM started actually a um, uh, relationship with us because um, their, their focus was developing, you know, fitness personalities and kind of managing their business. Uh, yeah. Their brand. Yeah. So kind of like an agency yeah. or? Talent, talent management agency, just yeah. like uh, singers and actors have talent right. uh, agents. 
that's how in America, which is the, 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 the biggest market for fitness for sure in the world, um, that's how actually we were, well, I'm still a yoga fit, but I actually started working for KPM. They, 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 they bought me off literally wow, okay. <laughs> from, from Beth. Um, and I started working for them in 2013. Um, yeah, I think I was, I was very happy at, at yoga fit. Um, um, and it kind of, you know, like everything else matures, uh, the relationships sure. of any kind mature and at yeah. some point it's like where do we take this right do we, do yeah. we take it yeah. deeper and further or do we actually go separate ways, separate ways how yeah. I see it. and uh, and uh, beth and i went separate ways but because i went to kpm and we still have yoga fit on the account uh i was working uh with her still for, yeah. for nice. some, some time after that yeah and, so, and that, that was sorry yeah i no, like your like <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was just going to ask, how, how long were you with KPM? Oh, KPM feels like I was with my whole life because uh, the <laughs> director of KPM is one of the closest people in my life that I have. Um, okay. Yeah, so I was uh, officially met Will uh, February, March 2013, started working probably with him somewhere in October 2013. And I actually stayed uh all the way until uh, beginning of 2018 um and in 2018 i actually left the united states basically i left uh, i left la in 2018 yeah, yeah. and i stayed with um with kpm that whole time um it was it was amazing um in terms of you know this discovering that if there is one thing that amazes me still about america and at this time and day, not many actually do, but this one really does, is you can invent yourself. You yeah. can create any possible title that you want to create and you can actually develop out of nothing. Your own, right? Your own, very true. Uh, uh, yeah. your own whatever profession it is. Yeah. And that's what, that's what he did. And that's yeah. what I was kind of, learning and training sure. under and yeah. looking that like who would even think what are the even skills that you need for this job like you have sure. to be a people person you have to be a negotiator you have to schmooze you have to be available constantly sometimes you have to babysit all the talent <laughs> oh yeah exactly they, they, <laughs> and, they oftentimes behave like oh children, and no manage different personalities yeah. and just yeah, yeah absolutely well were there any standout clients or particular uh, representations you remember that you can share with us well we certainly who knows um who knows uh uh, Will, the director of KPM, he was one who actually influenced uh, Jane Fonda to go back to fitness after wow. you know, her, okay. her old, uh, you know, long time being in the acting career, right? He kind sure. of was come back. And then um, uh, Suzanne Summers was one of the okay. clients, definitely. Okay. Nice. And uh, also um, uh, Jillian, Jillian Michaels. And mm -hmm. everybody knows Jillian Michaels who follows the fitness kind of... Uh, you know, shows and reality shows yeah. and videos. Yeah. Um, and then before I joined Will, he actually worked with uh, on several different projects with the uh, actors that actually wanted to do certain oh, yeah. things that are fitness related. Okay. Not going to go into that, but um, but I don't know if you know, he started his career because he was actually uh, part of the team that created DVDs out of Carmen Electra's uh, striptease fitness kind of thing that she that she like a training that she did okay he was a, 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 with the th team that created those dvds that actually that actually made millions yeah no i think i remember so, hearing that they did very well yeah yeah so um <laughs> there are many people yeah but um the, the the that that life you know and it's interesting because 2013 the whole 2013 and all the time until September 2014 for me were again like Hawaii you know on mm -hmm. one hand you have this I'm in LA you know I'm from a town in Serbia that has 300,000 people you know and I and I was right and I'm living in LA 
And uh, it's kind of like a, you can't even believe it. You know, I live in West Hollywood. I love that part. My office is in Beverly Hills. We have all these clients. It's all so fancy. We travel everywhere. I don't have to pay for anything. Obviously, I can eat whatever I want. I can drink whatever mm -hmm. I want. Mm -hmm. I can do whatever mm -hmm. I want. And um, you're familiar with that industry because you you were or, yeah. or are part of it. You know what the trade shows look like, you know? Oh, you yes, go to a trade exactly. show. You know, it's a it's Las Vegas trade show. The only people that are <laughs> somewhat healthy there are probably the talent that actually has to right. exercise. Everybody right. else who works on businesses is not sleeping those days. That's right. That's right. So that was kind of my reality. It was yeah. on one hand very glamorous and people would think that's really amazing. And it was because again, I had some really loving you know, people around me and really great relationships. But in the end it of took the day, it, it took know, its toll. Yeah, in the end of the day, I'm at my home, I'm hungover or I, I'm drunk and I'm alone and I feel yeah. pretty miserable and there's nothing much really happening for me. And, yeah. uh, so you had uh, divorced from your husband by then? Yes, I actually, okay. when we moved to LA, when we moved to LA, uh, yeah, end of 2012, beginning of 2013, again, like many things coming together, <laughs> like you mentioned previously, right? Yeah, exactly. Just clumping together. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, another really interesting thing for 2013 that changed my life and the course of my life later on is um, in March 2013, I met uh, my first uh, Buddhist teacher. And um, I've met him in, uh, in LA. And really interestingly, all my teachers somehow end up to be white people. <laughs> mm, interesting. My yoga teachers were, yeah. you know, mostly Western women, you know. And then yeah, my, yeah. my Tibetan Buddhist teacher is uh, Geshe uh, Michael Roach, who is from, <laughs> you know, East Coast, you know, from an right. Irish background, <laughs> right, <laughs> you know. Right. And it's, it's just interesting. I, I sometimes I, I wondered, you know, I would romanticize about this idea of like, where are the sadhus, you know, where are the, <laughs> where are the, the, the teachers from the motherland right. India, you know, or like, right, what is going right, on? Right. I studied Ayurveda with the Western woman, you know, Amazing. all my yeah. teachers were, but you know what, that's, the paths are different for all of us. Yeah, you know? that's exactly and, right. Yeah. And if I wasn't in the United, United States, I, there's no chance that all of this would happen to me. Yeah, sure. no, it's an excellent no. point. Yeah, no, you're sure. So I met him in 2013 and I, and I just felt something. I, I don't know what I felt. I, 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 I fell in love, I guess, in a way. And um, for me, I was, as we were talking from Yugoslavia and Serbia, if you're a Serbian, that kind of automatically means you're an Orthodox Christian. And mm -hmm. um, I grew up in an Orthodox Christian country, being baptized yeah. when I was a baby, but okay. I never related. I never mm -hmm. related. I, that, that was never something I practiced, nor my immediate family really, really practiced it. No. And I, I knew it's not for me. I, I just never felt it. You know, I, I, I was more, I was more actually, I was actually more repelled by it, actually, and kind sure, of just, yeah, just pushed, yeah. you know, away. You didn't um, identify with it. It didn't move no, you. at all. Yeah, no. Yeah. And I always thought that uh, the aspects of Hinduism and Buddhism actually are something that I, that I strongly relate to. So I, I don't, I never had a, well, most of my life, I didn't have an, a, you know, a problem with God. I just had the problem yeah. with what kind of God it has to be because <laughs> yeah, it exactly. wasn't the God that I was listening about. Right. So, <laughs> right. Um, yeah. So I met my teacher in March, 2013. And since then I actually uh, started, uh, you know, serious uh, Tibetan Buddhist practices and meditations, wow, you know, okay. but the thing is one of the first lessons you, you learn in any lineage of Buddhism is that, unless you follow the ethical principles of life, meditation won't work and it doesn't matter. And nothing mm. else matters what you do. You can read all these things and preach all these things and pray to all these things, but it's not gonna work. Like if you're familiar wow. with yoga, yamas and niyamas, it's like, that's the right. core of it, right? That's like, that's how true. do we live yeah. our life with ourselves and with people and with God and with nature? So, 
that's interesting because from March 2013 until September 2014, I actually had the biggest struggle because I had a Buddhist mm. teacher and I wanted desperately a different life. But I was yeah. also in a total cycle of a vicious cycle of addiction and acting out and just being, yeah, yeah. being really, really, really insane um, until wow. September 2014. And then... Well, what happened at that moment? <laughs> I joined AA. <laughs> uh, okay. I joined AA. And, uh, well, you know, and... Uh, and do you, so you that, basically said you had enough. You were going to I, make I, a change. I couldn't. I couldn't. Yeah, I, I could not anymore. And it was it was literally a decision. I remember uh, August 2014. I uh, I was uh, in LA working, and I was supposed to go to Serbia for a month. And I told my boss at the KPM, and I said I have to like I have to join you know join these guys at the at the log cabin you know and, uh, who are standing in front of the building smoking cigarettes those are the those are my people from now on I have to join them <laughs> I I can't do this anymore and I can't do it yeah. alone you know like I, I would never be able to do it I don't believe it and uh, he said absolutely but I realized that I'm going to Serbia for a month so I consciously decided that there is absolutely no way I don't have any support in Serbia to not drink mm. any any none of it yes, i don't i, right. I, I didn't know people who don't it. drink yeah like i just didn't exactly. know people yeah and so i decided when i come back and it, that's how it was i came back september whatever four for example from serbia september five i was at the, at the first day meeting and um and um and I've been in recovery since, but I had a relapse mm. in between. So I'm okay. I'm almost now, almost kind of four years. It would be yeah. longer, right? But I had a, I had a break in the middle uh, after about two years. But I've been in officially recovery from you know since September two thousand fourteen. Wow. And um, I give you so much credit, Marina. This is not easy to do and to make that decision, and um, you know. Uh, just having one relapse is impressive. I mean, um, usually there's some catastrophic event, but you made that conscious decision that you were going to change and you did, you pulled it off. I mean, uh, kudos to you. That's really well done. Thank you. Thank you. The situations are different for everybody and people yeah. sometimes have a tendency to compare the, 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 you know, what was your, you know, rock bottom and like, how did you end up, you know, it really, yeah. I mean, it was just, you know, really difficult, heavy events and massive blackouts that, that actually lined up where wow. life like that didn't really make sense anymore. Sure. Yeah. No, absolutely. And, um, and then what later happens is that I've embraced a very different lifestyle from the very beginning. And my Buddhist meditation practice like completely grew right away after that. And I started yeah, doing retreats sounds, and I started right. doing solitary retreats. Wow. It was just, you know, took some vows and um, that, that was really, that was, that was life-changing. That was, yeah. that was, that was really, really life-changing. Yeah. And you said you did retreats as a participant or as a, a leader of the retreats? No, I started doing as a participant. Yeah. As a participant. I was with my Buddhist community in Arizona. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then uh, basically 2000, uh, 2015, I was, I, was, I was really, really, really um, uh, um, involved. I, I, I've arranged with another friend for one of the books of my teacher to be translated in Serbian language. It was published. I took my teacher to Serbia. He, was, uh, he had a couple of talks there. And then when I came back to LA, so mind you, I'm still working for KPM yeah. because like new things are showing up for me, but I'm not ready. You know what the life in LA looks like and how expensive it is, yeah. particularly no, for so a true. single woman that really doesn't have, yeah. doesn't make a lot of money. Yeah. And, um, and I'm in, in between realizing that that's not the career I want. I love my boss and I love what we do. It just isn't for me. Like yeah. that was that was not my purpose. It never felt like anything that where I should be still staying, but I am because I don't see other options at the moment. And I even moved to Sedona. I've lived to Sedona in Sedona uh -huh. for about six seven months, wow. working remotely, yeah. 
to be close to my community, the Buddhist community. Amazing. Sedona is gorgeous. I love it there. Sedona is amazing. It's amazing, but it's also, mm, it can be really turbulent with the the energy. I see. And in the same way how Bali is. But then Mm. in AA, there is an interesting saying, wherever you go, there you are. So if you go to Sedona and you are in your best, you know, it can just inspire you and uplift you and you're going to get, you know, the push in your back. If you go to Sedona and you are really struggling with your own stuff, particularly if they're related to addictions and and cravings and attachments and really not being able to find yourself, um, you'll experience something completely different. Yeah, that makes complete sense. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so curious about because uh, because you experienced at some point you had a shift where um, you wanted to become a counselor and you wanted to help other people through this process that you had gone through. Um, share with us what uh, you feel like. What were the steps that led to that? So um, um, everything, as I mentioned, started when I. Uh, went through a yoga teacher training certificate. And then when I met my, my, uh, my Buddhist teacher, I started uh, learning more and more about mindfulness. And obviously mindfulness comes from Buddha, right? It's, it's the sure. old concept. It's not anything new, but nowadays we're hearing about it from a more scientific perspective. Um, yeah. Obviously it comes from, from Buddhism and from like almost 2000 years old. Right. And um that came in and that helped me in, in how I was feeling and how my lifestyle changed and how, how I was just really growing in, the, in, to, in this direction that, that um, yes, I had a relapse, but to be honest with you, I, I cannot ever imagine going back where it was. It is just such mm. a strange concept right now that I wouldn't ever change the life that I have right now, no matter how difficult it can get and and life gets difficult, right? Sure, yeah. Um, At the time, I think it was 2014, I was also studying, I'm just studying my whole life. I studied (laughs) this one year certificate for a health coach. While I was studying certificate for a health coach, I started helping people with um, mostly physical health issues. But because Mm. I have psychology background, and I'm not yeah. a therap- psychotherapist, but I have that background. Um, I was kind of adding up, you know, coaching sure. or sessions with me were never one kind because I have so many layers and, and yeah. just so many backgrounds that it was never straightforward one thing. So when I was working for KPM, I slowly, while studying health coaching, started having some sessions, right? And working with people in terms of, uh, in terms of just, you know, diet sleeping insomnia digestion this Mm. and that you know kind of like really basic stuff from there on i developed huge passion for ayurveda and Mm. i found ayurvedic doctor and teacher whom i had a two-year program with so i'm a certified ayurvedic practitioner not a doctor but practitioner and while doing that again parallelly (laughs) i was in kpm i i just couldn't I couldn't let go. I, I had still fear, you know, that I'm not going to be okay. If I let this go, I had wow. a fear. How am I going to set myself up and actually be working as a right. coach or counselor or practitioner or anything? Okay. That's understandable. Yeah. So I didn't do that. Um, so at, at this point, at this point, before I left, before I left uh, LA in 2000, I was working on a side with clients as an Ayurvedic practitioner, I was working as a health coach. I was, uh, through the 12 step programs, you kind of get the opportunity to sponsor other people. So uh, in a way, if, if your background is in psychology or any kind of coaching, it it helps, right? Because you can actually mix those uh, together. So I was doing that and I had, uh, I had online clients, right? mostly in those areas, more and more, my clients started being actually addicts and people who are in recovery or are about to start recovery. Yeah, They just came and it became, it just became obvious to me like, wow, there's, there's, there's these addicts, you know, that are coming to me and like recognizing, you know, the level of one addict can work with the other 
There is no other level that I believe in that in recovery works, unless you're in a, in a recovery, you can't really completely grasp what it is true. like to yeah. actually be somebody who is or work with somebody who is. Mm, I don't think true. so. I agree. And then is that then I left LA to go to Thailand in 2018 to be actually a counselor in the mindfulness uh, recovery community. Uh, okay. So it was a part of a program that you went there to be a part of it. So I, they, they landed in my lap. I heard of them from a mm. friend. I contacted them. They loved me. I loved them. And I literally, I left LA. I went wow. to Serbia just to visit and I flew to Thailand and I Amazing. was in that community for one year. That is something so great. like I never experienced. Yeah. I lived there oh, and I worked there. Yeah. Um, you know, meditation several times a day, yoga several times a day, counseling sessions twice a week, workshops. So I've done, I've done a lot, a lot of personal growth and professional Amazing. growth there. I worked yeah. with many people. I facilitated many workshops. And most of my work at the time was um, embracing uh, like psychology, mindfulness, um, Ayurveda, uh, counseling, and I've, I, I, I already was following many, many Buddhist, Buddhist psychologists and right. Buddhist psychology uh, in, in a way of uh, treating not only the mind and emotions uh, and treating the spirit, you know? So in a way, I, 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 I never work without that. To me, yeah. that doesn't make any sense, right? It's because like integral we are so to what you complex. do. Exactly. Um, I believe it's all Lovely. connected. And yeah. Then completely. Um, yeah. While I was in Thailand, I was very lucky to meet a woman whose name is uh, Valerie Mason John. Valerie Mason John is, uh, um, lives in Canada. I think she's, she's a British originally, uh, who is a co-founder of a program that's called Mindfulness-Based Addiction Recovery. And wow, brilliant. she also is a co-founder of a recovery program that's called Eight-Step Recovery, that is basically not instead of 12 steps, it can be addition to some people to, to 12 mm. step program, or it can be, it can be just your way that you really more resonate to because it's a sure. Buddhist approach to recovery. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's eight is significant. The eightfold path. Eightfold path and exactly. And four noble truths and, and all that. Right. Yeah. Right, right, right. That so I sense. studied, I went through a retreat with her mm. while I was in Thailand. Um, I went through retreat as a participant and then I started studying with her and I went to London um, last year to actually finish a course with her. And, um, and I'm, I'm trained and certified in, uh, in, in that uh, MBAR is, and is short kind of MBAR program. Gotcha. Yeah. And I've been teaching it. I'm, I'm teaching it currently also online. And um, okay. what I love about it is that her idea of what addiction is, is very similar to many teachers and mentors that I follow right now, which is not the medical and disease model. It's right. actually the model that that's just a complex behavior that can actually show up as a addiction to, uh, to, um, to a sub, uh, substance like uh, drugs or alcohol, or it can be in processes, shopping, gambling, uh, sex, mm, work, right. exercise, whatever. But you know, in all of those behaviors, you have a couple of um, common things such as you know there's always a craving when you get what you want you experience a relief or a certain kind of a um, joy or happiness that is very short term and despite the fact that you know that it brings negative consequences you can't stop yeah. and yeah, if you look at right. this broad definition right there's no reason to stigmatize anybody and to and to yeah, put people in, in categories because hey we all have so something true. exactly we all go through that there's no question yeah. so um the decision to move to bali tell us about that right right so i came i went to serbia after thailand and i really didn't know what am i going to do i my idea mm. at that time was I might go back to Thailand because they invited me to go back and I could go back mm. as a counselor still. Um, another thing was to stay in Serbia, but um, Serbia, you know, I don't have, I don't have shame around it at all. I, I am from there and I, and I carry those 
transgenerational and ancestral <laughs> genes, but right. I never related, never since sure. I was a baby. I just never related. Yeah. Absolutely. And I, yeah. um, I, I, I didn't tell you when I was six, I moved for two years in Africa with my parents. And um, wow. I was living in Libya, in North Africa. And Amazing. Uh, I felt like home <laughs> and it's nothing wow. like home. I yeah, was in Sahara, yeah. right? Right, right. A any other place felt like home more often than my own country. Amazing. It just, it just really, that's what it was. So yeah. there I am last year, you know, and I, I started right away. I got clients and I started like my own little mini practice. Um, counseling and teaching and giving workshops and educational workshops. But you know, Asim, I did not have any support for me. Okay. I didn't have anything. I just couldn't stay. Yeah. yeah. So That's I was looking, yeah. I was looking to either go back to Thailand or Bali. Again, why Bali? Things just pop up. Yeah, things things show up in my mind and I think, <laughs> okay, there's a reason yeah. for this. Yeah. <laughs> That's wonderful. It's just you that's know. so great. And, well, you uh, seem really yeah. happy. You seem really in your element. It's like um, you're doing what you have always been meant to do. Absolutely. Now, now more than ever, I know. Um, I the latest thing that I that I, that I uh, finished. Uh, I finished one year studying with Dr. Gabor Mate, who is one of the pioneers in the work with trauma, shame, addiction. Mm. And um, I finished uh, his therapy program that's called Compassionate Inquiry. And uh, nice. that, that program gave me even more kind of knowledge yeah. in, uh, in therapy work. And um, yeah, I, I came here to work in a rehab, but because of COVID, we lost the jobs. And, but I realized that I don't want to be in a rehab. You know, I actually, okay. actually enjoyed this, just working with, um, with people one-on-one -on -one. One -on -one and teaching yeah. uh, courses. That's and, so um, fantastic. Yeah. So what's, what is the future, the future going to hold for you? Well, you know, I, I've been here almost a year. I, uh, I've been studying the Indonesian language for several oh, okay. months now. Very nice. I can actually pass. Bahasa. Uh, yeah. Pa yeah, Bahasa Indonesia. I can actually, I can actually pass everyday conversations, do the shopping, give you directions where to go and drive, <laughs> wow. tell you where I'm oh, from and all that. Yes, well and that's I, uh, I feel very, very connected to this culture, to these, to these people, more connected uh, than like all other places were great, but it, it, it almost seems like it was a buildup for something that's coming. Sure. And um, I, feel, I, I feel this certainly, this place is certainly one of the homes. So my, my plan is um, to work out my, uh, my work visa next year and to actually start also working here, not only online, um, um, to maybe open a little business where we can have uh, people that are healers that actually match kind of mm. the ways that I work also and work together yeah. as a team. Maybe have a, an aspect of a company that gives something back for free to these people nice. that really yeah. take a great care of us and, and yeah. do so much for us. That no, just true. being here is that I think we own so much to this country and to this culture that is, um, that is unbelievable. Yeah. So the plan is to stay here. <laughs> wonderful that's great well you you found a home it suits you you feel comfortable you feel like you're of that place and you're doing what you love this is what so many of us aspire to so um i think it's absolutely wonderful congratulations on that thank you yeah thank yeah you absolutely so marina this was such a wonderful conversation thank <laughs> you so much for especially for how open you were and your candor um, a lot of people struggle with being vulnerable or, or giving authentic shares, but uh, you didn't shy away from that. And that means a lot. I think it's really going to resonate with our, our audience. Thank you. I find it helpful for others. And um, um, yeah, it, it, I, I've been practicing this and I see that it only helps people and it doesn't really come back to anything that can hurt me personally. Well, thank you so much again. I really do appreciate it, Marina. Thank you, Asim. Thank you so much for having me.